from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. The worst case scenario for the Bryce Young trade for the Carolina Panthers has come to fruition. Solidified, locked, loaded, cannot change. They are sending the number one overall pick to the Bears in the Bryce Young trade. That's the 2024 number one overall pick. Bruh. That's that's tough. That makes that trade a mistake that you can't come back from. I, I believe it is a clean house worthy trade. That means they traded the number one overall pick in a stronger draft as part of a bigger package of picks and players to move up to number one overall in a weaker draft to get that player there one year earlier so he can play in a season in which you finish as the worst team in the NFL. Goodness, what would you have done without your quarterback this year? You might be the worst team in the NFL. Oh, wait, that's exactly what you were anyway. To recap the full trade, for those of you that don't recall, uh, it was wide receiver DJ Moore, who, by the way, said a uh, has already set a career high in yards, I believe. Uh, he's looking at like 12, 1,300 yards already. Uh, they, they gave the 2023 number nine overall pick, which became Jalen Carter, who has been one of the more uh, statistically impressive defensive linemen in the NFL this year as a rookie. A 2023 second-round pick, which turned into a blocking tight end, Brenton Strange, but they traded that away. Uh, and the number one overall pick in 2024, and a 2025 second-round pick that won't hit till next year. That is a nearly unforgivable mistake. Now, why do I say nearly? Like, wait, Tim, you're being pretty, being pretty mean to this trade. Why say nearly? Well, because if you had... I don't know, orchestrated a Super Bowl champion already. If you were a GM with a ring on your finger, okay, bad mistake. We'll forgive this one. If you're if you don't have that goodwill built up, it's an unforgivable mistake. If you don't have that that like hey cachet that you've built up, it's donezo. Or if you had a really great roster, like the 49ers did, because we we forget yep. the 49ers traded multiple picks to go up to number three to draft Trey Lance, and they've already traded him away to Dallas. That, that's why this is a nearly unforgivable mistake. Mm-hmm. If you have CMC and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and you hit on Purdy and Trent Williams and you have Bosa and you have Fred Warner and you have Talanoa Hufunga and you have – then, yeah, okay, we'll look the other way on this bad decision. Mm-hmm. But if your roster is put together with – Mistake after mistake after mistake, it's unforgivable. And here's the thing: it's this this trade is compounding on top of the the yep. the Baker Mayfield trade, the trade to go draft Matt Corral, who didn't even play one snap mm-hmm. for you, the trade to get mm-hmm. Sam Darnold. All this this is eleven draft picks and DJ Moore for this one guy. When you really think about it, and then we'll even we'll take it a step further after the draft. Right? There's a lot of mistakes leading up to the position you were in to need Bryce Young. Make that bad bad decision after the draft. Miles Sanders. That's not a good decision. Nope. Uh, uh, Hayden Hurst. That's not a good decision. And injuries are tough, but still, and it's an older player. Injuries add up to older players. And even when he wasn't, True. he wasn't producing. Uh, basically, Adam Thielen. <laughs> That's what you got. 
You got Adam Thielen. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Thielen on 100-plus catches and 1,000-plus yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's a pro bowler. Here's the deal, okay? This trade exposes so many problems under the front office led by Scott Fitter. A, they misevaluated Bryce Young. And I say that not because I don't think he can ever be good or, oh, this means he's terrible, because I'm not saying that. But they believed he was ready as a rookie to lift up a, a hodgepodge group of wide receivers. That's why they were comfortable trading away M- or DJ Moore. That's why they were comfortable trading away your number one wide receiver because Bryce Young is so good, he'll take this hodgepodge group of wide receivers and turn them into a formidable passing unit. They misevaluated Bryce Young on that front. They misevaluated the players they added in free agency. And most importantly, they misevaluated the quality of the roster as a whole. You do not, and I can't emphasize this enough, you do not trade away your first-round pick if you believe there is a chance that you'll be the worst team in the NFL the next year. So the Panthers didn't think there was a chance they'd be the worst team in the NFL this season. And it was obvious from like week four that they were the worst team in the NFL this season. There was points where it's like, hey, they might squirrel their way out of dead last and get the second pick, but that was about as optimistic as it went. That's a gross miscalculation of how good your roster is and what is being a front office executive in the NFL if it is not evaluating players and quality of roster. That's all you that's all it is. You look at your roster, you judge how good it is, you judge what it needs to be better. That's what a front office executive is. You look at players, you evaluate how good they are, you evaluate how they'll fit into your roster, and you draft them, you sign them, you trade for them. That's all it is. I'm I'm saying that's all it is. That doesn't mean it's easy, but that means, like, that is the basis of it. Right? That's like saying the, you know, what is a tightrope walker? You don't fall off the rope, right? Like, it's that's the simple goal, the thing you have to be good at. Not saying it's easy. Tightrope walking looks hard. But I do know that I'm not hiring a tightrope walker if you can't stay on the rope. Being a GM in the NFL is hard, but I do know I'm not continuing to employ a front office executive who is not good at evaluating rosters and is misevaluating draft prospects. Not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that's what you're hired to do. The Panthers, just from the 2022 draft, only have three guys on their roster. It's Ike Aquanu. Questions about I was going to say, which is there just because of where he was drafted. Yes. Cade Mays, backup at best offensive Rotational lineman. And Amari Barno, who's a backup edge rusher who's good on special teams. That's it. That's the three Bar- guys from your Barno's 2022 class. Yeah. And and by the way, you got to figure out what to do with Icky. Like there's so many things that add up to it. Then you add this trade on top. And – Like, you're going to have to watch the Chicago Bears or someone else. Chicago might end up building an entire roster off of just your trade because they they have DJ Moore, who they like. Yeah. They they have a bunch of picks that they got from you. They could turn that number one overall pick. Like, there are rumors out there they could get more than the Panthers gave up last year and only move down to, like, four in the draft. So they could still get – 
maybe a Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. They, they could God. still they could still get a Malik Neighbors. They could still get Olu Fashanu, who's the the number one tackle in the draft. They could still get that while picking up multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks, and maybe a Pro Bowler. In which case, the draft would look uh, the trade would look something like this: it would be DJ Moore, Jalen Carter. Uh, a 2023 second-round pick, a 2025 second-round pick, the number four overall pick in this year's draft, which would likely be, like I said, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr., um, maybe Olu Fashanu, may- maybe Jaden Daniels, if you want to go quarterback, who knows, uh, plus another first-round pick maybe in 2025, mm-hmm. maybe another second-round pick in 2025, and you know either another first- or second-round pick or a-, a Pro Bowl player like DJ Moore again. Like, that is how you have to evaluate it, and you don't come out winning if you're the Panthers. Mm-mm. This is the kind of mistake where somebody has to pay. Right? Somebody has to suffer the consequences. If not, it's, 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 there's no accountability. And by the way, <laughs> when a GM makes this trade, <laughs> accountability. Yeah, there's nah. that word. Uh, when a GM makes this trade, they know the stakes. They know, hey, if this goes well, I just locked myself into a job for the next 10 years. I'm going to be, you know, a legend. If it goes well, I'm going to be highly thought of. I'm going to be able to go on a, you know, when I retire from football, I can go on the the motivational speaking tour. Like, if it goes well, this goes really well for me. But if this goes really poorly, it's going to be really poorly for me. Like, you're aware of that. It's, it's, use a football analogy, right? It's, it's. Going for it on fourth down, deep in your own territory. If it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't work, you just gave the other team seven points, and somebody's going to have to answer for that. The Panthers, it doesn't seem like anyone's answered for it. Frank Reich did, but I don't think that was for the trade. I think that was for a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. Scott Fitterer is the one. And, again, he knew he knew the game he was playing when you make that trade. You don't make that trade without knowing the game you're playing. Yeah, you got to hit a home run. It, it, I mean, can't so- land on the warning track, man. <laughs> exactly, can't can't be out. Solid double gets you a couple years, and then you got to build the rest around it. I mean, it's the number one overall pick you gave up. You gave up the number one overall pick for the number one overall pick. The only problem was you added a whole bunch of other stuff to it. That's 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 poor GMing. That's bad GMing, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. Something to watch tonight in addition to the hockey game. Number eight, University of North Carolina Tar Heels, men's basketball at Pitt. Which, you know, we, we, 
I always come up with T-shirt ideas on the show. We never make the T-shirts. We should. We need to come up with an R.J. Davis tour T-shirt. So yes, has like tour dates on the back. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's playing Pittsburgh tonight. Mm-hmm. R.J. Davis is is headlining. <laughs> the the card includes Harrison Ingram and and Armando Baycott and and all these other uh, opening acts. But but R.J. Davis is the the headliner. Uh, he's been unreal. He has scored 20 plus points in eight straight games. And I'm only saying 20-plus because their most recent game against uh, was a Charleston Southern. He only had 20, um, but added 10 assists in just 26 minutes of play. So he is absolutely on fire. I do not say this lightly. He's been an All-American this year. Going in, he's, Of the non-conference schedules across the league, R.J. Davis is one of the five best players in the country. Now, in addition to him, I still love what Harrison Ingram's doing. He's been one of my more pleasant surprises of the the entire early part of this college basketball season, not just for North Carolina, but again, uh, across all of the games that I've watched. He's a transfer that came in and is just comfortable in every situation, seems to fit a role that, that North Carolina absolutely needs, and he's he's shooting the three pretty well, which is something they've needed from that position, kind of that you know Brady-Manic floor, floor spacingness that they've been missing. I'm still waiting for Baycott. Still waiting for Armando Baycott. And and I, I completely opened the, the door to the possibility that he is a fifth-year guy that's been in the league forever, and, you know, it just takes kind of the intensity of the ACC to wake him up. Mm-hmm. I completely opened the possibility he's just cruising till ACC play gets started. But I will say this. First five games of the year, 17 and 13. 17 points. 13 rebounds per game over the first five. I'm fine. You give me 17 and 13, Armando Baycott, yeah. gold star. Mm-hmm. More, the, the most recent eight games, so the first five, 17 and 13. The next eight, 13 and nine. Mm. It's good for just about anyone else in college basketball. Yeah. It's still almost a double-double, but I think he should be more 17 and 10 plus. 17 and 11, right? He might not have to be 17 and 13. His standard's different because of what he's done throughout his whole career. His standard and his bar is different, and and, and that's okay. And the better R.J. Davis plays, the better Ingram plays, the better some of these guys, uh, Cormac Ryan, the better, better these guys come around and, and knock down shots, yeah. uh, the more I'm like, hey, you might have something you're really playing for here. You're number eight in the country, and you have the whole ACC schedule to build. Show up. I mean, if RJ keeps hitting down shots, you're not going to collect as many rebounds. Let's be real. <laughs> there's just less misses. I mean, there's just less misses. There's less rebound opportunities. I mean, let's call it what it is. All right, fine. Throw in three assists a game, and I'll, and right. I'll, and I'll forgive you, right? If, if it's all two-man game, throw it into the post, kick it out to RJ. I'm fine with that, too. blocking a lot of shots, too. I'm fine with that, too. Uh, Syracuse at number 14 Duke tonight, men's basketball. Duke basketball has kind of done a good job of quietly going to work. Do you remember it was December 3rd, so almost exactly a month ago, uh, and they had lost three games already. And not all of them like, oh, that one makes sense. It's against Arizona. They're one of the top teams in the country. There were some some rough losses in there, right? Arkansas stands out to me. It's kind of been a really, really good quiet month for Duke. Where And, by, by the way, they beat Baylor in that month, so it's not completely and totally silent. Um, but they're slowly co- climbing back into the national picture. There was a point in time where I said, again, right here into this microphone, some of you may have heard it. If you did, thank you for listening. Uh, 
I'm not sure Duke should be a top 25 team. I said that a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure they should be a top 25 team. They fell down to, I think, 22, and I was going, yeah, I think that might be because they're Duke. I'm not sure right now they should be a top 25 team. Well, now they're back up to 14, and it kind of feels earned. It doesn't feel as, you know, oh, that's because they're Duke. Uh, Maybe I'll put it this way. It's unreal what getting your projected first-round draft pick point guard back from injury and beating the number 10 team in the country, Baylor, can do for the vibes of your season when you mix it in with just a month of drama-free winning, right? They had long breaks. They beat the teams that they were supposed to beat by a lot when they were supposed to beat them by a lot. They beat Baylor without Tyrese Proctor, who's a projected first-round draft pick, and now he's back, and he played against Queens University in their most recent game, came off the bench for 18 minutes, nine points on four shots, which is pretty good, uh, and tied for the team lead with four assists. That's all just quiet and good. And it, actually, you know what? There's some there's a PR lesson here, okay? For celebrities out there. <laughs> Ready for this? I th- Dennis just turned his head like a confused German shepherd. Like, where are you going with this one? Um, uh, if, a, if a celebrity finds themselves in a situation where their reputation is being hit, sometimes it's smart to be quiet and go about your business for a little bit, right? You don't have to always go out there and dramatically try to fix everything in a day. Sometimes it's smart to just disappear out of the public view, work on yourself a little bit. And it feels like that's what Duke did. Duke had these big eight, nine-day breaks, right, where they they were off for a week plus, and they got in the lab, and, and they worked, and they got healthy, and they worked, and they tweaked with their rotation, and and we didn't hear much from them. And now, going into tonight's game at home against Syracuse, they're heading into ACC play, coming off a good tune-up win against Queens University, in which they shot 58%, which is bananas, uh, and they're getting healthier, and they're back up to 14th in the country, and every goal that they had at the beginning of the year is still on the table. All right, They were the number two team in the country coming into the year. That's... That means your 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 goals are lofty, right? You're thinking national championship. You're thinking ACC championship. You're thinking regular season ACC championship. You're thinking uh, Naismith for Kyle Filipowski. You're thinking top draft picks, all of that. Well, guess what? Going into ACC play at 14th in the country, you win the games on your conference schedule in a, in a conference like the ACC, all those goals are still right there for the taking. Maybe you you cost yourself a little bit of wiggle room. You cost yourself a little bit of margin of error. But slowly climbing back into the national picture over a month, it just worked. It just worked. Now I say that, right? You're facing – we just brought up the Syracuse 2-3 zone. Tonight's going to be a weird night. Tonight's going to be – the the Syracuse system – earlier in my career, I was in upstate New York at an ESPN affiliate – in a, in a market up there where I covered Syracuse, they are a weird team to play. I can't tell you how many times leading up to a game I scouted a Syracuse opponent and thought, wow, this team's pretty good. And then when they played Syracuse, I went, where is that team that I studied? Where is that team that I prepped for? And turns out they, they were just, they, they were in there. They were just confused, <laughs> right? A good team that's confused is no good. So, you know, Syracuse is going to be a weird game. Uh, I consider it a, a whatever it takes to win game, right? If you win 60 to 54, that's good. If you win 101 to 97, that's good. Like, 
whatever it takes to beat Syracuse, you you use it to beat Syracuse. Because they're 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 confusing at times. By the way, I also think it's a good one to have Tyrese Proctor back for. Uh, like I said, he came off the bench for 18 minutes against Queens University. Um, I think the better – I hate using this term, heady, right, people? What is it? Jim Rat, like the, the, the better uh, – I'll use this. Basketball IQ. The, the better, the more basketball IQ you can have on the floor against Syracuse, the better. That's Proctor. That's Roach. That's uh, McCain is is kind of growing into that as a freshman. Obviously, that's Filipowski. You, you you want the guys that keep their head under pressure out there, and and I think that's a good group for them. So so we'll see how it plays out, but just know it's going to be a funky one. It's like a triple option team. It's a funky one. Your your week leading up to this one is is a lot different in practice. Uh, you know, scout team guys will get a game ball if they win this one. 